So each week, here's what we're doing during the series. We are praying for revival. We're asking God to do something extraordinary. Now, the ordinary work of the Lord is extraordinary, <laughs> and it's miraculous. And every single day here in Anchorage, Alaska, people are surrendering their lives to Jesus Christ. They are being uh, tr transferred from the kingdom of darkness and slavery to sin to the kingdom of light. Uh, probably every week here in Anchorage, a follower of Christ uh, gives up uh, the ghost and goes to heaven uh, and, and enters into the presence of God. That's miraculous. Every day, Christians are being set free from the power of sin, bondages being broken. And so the ordinary work of God is, is amazing and something to be celebrated. But throughout history, there have been times where God works in a unique way. And we call it revival, and it's something where everybody sort of sits up and takes notice and, say, and says, wow, God is doing something unique here. And that's what we're praying for, and we've been praying for during this series. So uh, this today we actually begin week five of this six-week series. Uh, and so this week we are praying for reconciliation, reconciliation among the people, peoples. I want to start with a... A story about a community desperately in need of reconciliation. It's the island of Sri Lanka. Sri Lanka lies off the northernmost tip of India. It's a rather large island. It has a few million inhabitants. It was occupied by the British until 1948. The Brits called it Ceylon. But uh, in 1948, Sri Lanka gained its independence. There are multiple ethnic groups uh, on the island, but the two primary are Sinhalese and the Tamils. The Sinhalese are the uh, majority ethnic group, and the Tamils are the second. Well, as soon as the Brits were gone, the Sinhalese uh, tried to take power. And since they're the majority, they gained you know, the, uh, control largely of the government. And they begin, to, they, they begin to use their position of power to uh, suppress the Tamils. In 1948, they passed the Citizens Act, which made it virtually impossible for a, uh, an Indian Tamil to gain citizenship. Uh, instantaneously, 700,000 Indian Tamils were stateless. And so the government rounded up 300,000 of them and forcibly deported them back to India. In 1956, uh, the Sinhalese-dominated government made Sinhale the official language of the nation, further disenfranchising the Tamils. How were they supposed to gain uh, political power? How were they supposed to do business if they couldn't speak the official language? In the 1970s, it was noted by the government that a lot of Tamils were entering the university, more than Sinhalese. And so, you know, what they did is they, they actually passed a law saying a Tamil student has to achieve higher marks on the entrance exam than a Sinhalese student in order to get into a university. And so the culmination of, of this systematic uh, attempts to, to, to uh, suppress and hold down the Tamil people is the Tamil people who live predominantly in the north of uh, Sri Lanka and, and the east. They, they said, we, we want our own country. We want to carve out a Tamil state 
uh, on the island. And they began, uh, they fought a war. For 26 years, Sri Lanka was at war. The Tamils became known, you probably heard of them as the Tamil Tigers. Uh, many countries of the world ended up labeling them as terrorists. Uh, because the, uh, the government, the Sinhalese-dominated government, wasn't going to let part of their country be uh, carved out. And so they, for 26 years, they fought against the Tamil Tigers seeking to, um, to um, suppress this, this uh, rebellion. And it started in 1983, and it didn't end until 2009. It's not that far behind us, but finally the government uh, conquered. They defeated the Tamil Tigers. Well, as you can imagine, oh, by the way, the UN says, the UN says that between 80 and 100,000 people in Sri Lanka were killed during this civil war. And as you can imagine, virtually uh, everybody on the island lost somebody that they loved. They were directly impacted by this uh, civil war. All kinds of hurts and resentments and anger and hatred um, and people thinking of themselves, I am a Tamil first, or I am Sinhalese first. And I can't, I don't trust those other people, and look what they've done to us. We must crush them, right? And so Sri Lanka is an island desperately in need of reconciliation. And that's what we're praying for this week. We're praying for Sri Lanka, we're praying for Anchorage, Alaska. One of the most ethnically diverse uh, cities in our, in our nation. We're praying for reconciliation around the world. We're saying, God, would you give people who have been hurt the courage to forgive? Would you give people who have hurt others the courage to come and say, please forgive me? Will you, will you take uh, open, open people's eyes so they can see spiritually the dignity of all people regardless of their language, the tribe they come from, the color of their skin, their nationality. That People would begin to see everyone deserves respect. Those are the kind of things that we're praying for. And you know what? It matters to God. This is, reconciliation is on the heart of God. God is the great reconciler. He models it for us. Last week, Dylan shared a, from Revelation chapter 7 a picture of heaven. I want us to turn there because it's very applicable again this week. Revelation chapter 7 uh, in verse 9. Turn in your Bibles if you would. Um, the Apostle John is having a vision of heaven. He's, he's granted by God uh, insight. He's able to see what's happening in heaven. And here's what he says. He's in the midst of this vision in verse 9. He says, After this I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number. Picture that in your mind. That's a lot of people. From every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. This is a picture of reconciliation. People who have been reconciled to God and reconciled to each other. And they are from every nation, 
from all tribes, all peoples, all languages, and together worshiping God the Father and the Son, Jesus Christ. And what did Jesus say? Jesus said, I want you to pray that it would be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we have a picture of heaven. We know what heaven is like. Reconciliation is perfected in heaven. But Jesus says, I want you to pray that right now on earth, it would be done that same way. And so I put it this way. Reconciliation is perfected in heaven, but it is to first begin on earth. It is to be pursued on earth by the people of God. Elsewhere, Jesus taught us, you know, if you are bringing a gift to God and you find yourself, you're right at the altar, and there you remember that your brother has something against you, Jesus said, leave your gift at the altar and go and be, first be reconciled and then come back. God is saying, let me tell you how important it is, this reconciliation amongst peoples. It, it's prioritize it it trumps giving your gift it's more important than worship you you get the relationship right then you come and worship so the christians of sri lanka were affected just like everybody else 8% of sri lanka are christians and there were Christians who fought with the Tamil Tigers and Christians who fought uh, on the government, with the government. And there were Christians who were killed on both sides. And both sides uh, accuse each other of atrocities. And there are Christians who have been hurt. And there are Christians who are now prejudiced. And there are Christians who struggle with hatred in their heart. And they see... And there are Christians who are thinking of themselves first and foremost uh, as Tamils or as Sinhalis. But I came across a paper recently written by Mano Emanuel detailing what the church in Sri Lanka is doing to promote reconciliation. And it brought joy to my heart because uh, there's a lot of great stuff being done. And I want to share with you today some of what the, the Christians in Sri Lanka are doing to promote reconciliation uh, we want to pray for their success, and we want to learn from them because they're doing some great stuff. So the first thing, the first thing that the Christians in Sri Lanka are doing is they're reminding each other of some basic biblical truths, some of, the, some of which have been kind of lost or suppressed during this civil war. And the first thing they're reminding each other is of their core identity. Turn, if you would, to Galatians chapter 3. Verse 26, the Apostle Paul writes, For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there's no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you're Abraham's offsprings, heirs according to promise. Now, in Jesus' day, this was revolutionary teaching because the Jews prioritized the world this way. They said, Jews are more important to God than Gentiles and Samaritan. And men are more important than women. And the rich are more important than the, than the poor. And the, 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 
slave owner is more, the master is more important than the slave. And Christ turns all that up on its head. He says, "Uh uh-uh. If you are a Christian, your core identity is that of child of God and it trumps everything. The uh, The Sri Lankan Christians are reminding themselves of this basic truth. If I'm a child of God and you're a child of God, what does that make us? Family, right? You're a Tamil Christian, I'm a Sinhalese Christian, we're family. Do, we, do you think of yourself first and foremost as a child of God? Because God wants that to be your core identity. He wants it to trump what your past. He wants it to trump your education. He wants it to trump your whether the fact that you're an American or a man or a woman or intelligent or 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 not so intelligent, or tall, or short. Those things are true about you, but they're not what is most true about you. What is most true about you is you're a child of God. And with that comes dignity, and with that comes responsibility. Now, as a dad, I, and this is absolutely true, there are, there is, there is very little that is as sweet to me as my daughter's getting along. I, it, I love it. It just feels so wonderful when they are treating each other kindly, respectfully. When one of them gets hurt and the other one's like, oh, are you hurt? Let me help you. I just like, oh, I love that. It is so soothing to me. And on the other hand, there is nothing, there, there's very little that is as frustrating to me and as irritating, as grating to me as, to, as when they bicker and they cut each other down, and they're selfish, and one gets hurt, and the other like, acts like they don't care. I mean, I just go nuts inside. It just, ugh, so frustrating. And I think that's God too, right? God wants his children to get along. You know, Jesus, in his high priestly prayer in John chapter 17, and his high priestly prayer is a reflection of what's really on his heart. Jesus says this in John 17, 22. He's praying to the Father, Father, the glory that you have given me, I've given to them, my, my followers, that they may be one, even as we are one. I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you've sent me and loved them even as you loved me. God, God wants his people to be one, to be unified to care for each other. He wants his people, when there's broken relationships, to be reconciled. You know, as family, when you're family, you've got obligations. We have obligations to our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world. I have obligations to you. You have obligations to me because we're brothers in Christ. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 17, it's put this way. But if anyone has the world's goods, by the way, do you and I have the world's goods? Well, to the, the vast majority of the world look at us and they say, oh yeah, you've got lots of the world's goods. <laughs> A lot more than I have. But if anyone has the world's goods and with it comes responsibility, we, we have the world's goods and we have to be good stewards of that. 
and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? How does that make sense? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. And so the Sri Lankan Christians, they're reminding themselves of these basic biblical truths. I'm a child of God. You're a child of God. God wants us to be one. He wants us to be reconciled. Uh, I can't just say, that's a Tamil Christian, and, but I'm Sinhalese, and so I don't really care about the injustices done to them. I prioritize what's done to my people. No. Uh, you're part of the family of God, and so the hurts of all Christian people need to matter to you, and you're to rejoice when they rejoice and grieve when they grieve. And in this article, uh, one of the, uh, an older uh, leader in the church, when he heard these teachings, was reminding of, of these teachings, just said, if I had only known this 30 years ago, Imagine the change it would have made in my own heart and how I could have better led uh, the people of God. Well, the, the teachings um, are causing them to open their heart and say, we want to be reconciled. What do we have to, be, what do, we have to do to be reconciled? And we've got, we've got a lot of water under the bridge. How do we deal with this? Some of the pains are very deep. The, deep, the, the, the distrust goes very deep. How do we deal with this? And so they are... Uh, not only just teaching each other, they are uh, running God's reconciliation process. And uh, there are three steps to God's reconciliation process. Number one is you pursue the other person. You don't wait for them. If you, if you know the relationship's broken, you have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to be the pursuer. Why? Because God models this. Ever since Adam and Eve ate from the forbidden fruit, the relationship between God and humans has been broken. But God didn't just stay, sit in heaven and say, hmm, Bummer. Kind of miss those guys. That was, we used to have a nice relationship. But, you know, they hurt me. And they keep hurting me. And so I'm going to just move on. I got to find some new people to love and hang out with. He doesn't do that. We tend to do that, don't we? Move on. Find somebody else. They're a thing of the past. No, God said, the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He pursued us to the point of he left heaven and took on the, the, the lowly form of a human. And he went to the cross. And he modeled for us, you pursue. When there is a broken relationship, you pursue the other person. You pursue the other person. Uh, in Sri Lanka, there are reports of Tamil, Tamil villagers who uh, just break, as soon as they encounter a Sinhalese Christian break down and cry. So what's happening is you've got a lot of Sinhalese uh, uh, churches are sending delegations of people up north into Tamil country uh, to, to come as peacemakers. And villagers, and here's why, here's the thing that makes them cry. They have never encountered before, for many of them, they've never encountered a Sinhalese person who was not part of the army. The only time they've ever had contact with a Sinhalese person is they're there to crush them. They're there to kill them. They're there to dominate them. And now they've got Sinhalese people coming there to love them, there to, to reconcile. And it just causes them to weep. And that's, that pleases the Lord. That's what we're called to do. Pursue the other. Number two, second step in, in God's reconciliation process is um, address any injustices. We don't just... 
when we reconcile, we can't just ignore the past. We can't, it, oftentimes, the broken relationship's broken for a reason. There's, uh, there's often some, something that precipitated that, an unjust law, right? Or a harsh word. Or, or some evil act that was done. And you just don't, you don't just brush over that. You go for it. You address it. Especially if it's, con- if it's lingering, has a, ling- a continued effect. And so, um, God modeled this for us, didn't he? There was some, there's an obstacle to our relationship with God and it's called our sin. And God didn't just brush it aside. He said, uh, I'm going to come down and we're going to address that. Now, we humans, we couldn't, we couldn't pay the penalty for our own sin because it's too steep. It's death. And God said, you know what, I'll, I'm going to take that. I know you can't, so I'll address it myself. And that's why Jesus hung upon the cross, right? By his stripes, we are healed. He took the penalty for our sins upon himself, and he died. That was God saying, I'm going to address the obstacle to our relationship. I'm going to address the injustice. Uh, in, in Sri Lanka, there is a, a, a national youth, Christian youth ministry. And for the longest time, they had organized themselves upon um, just language lines. It was easy to administrate, more cost-effective. So in one region in Sri Lanka, you would have uh, one branch of the ministry dealing with uh, the Tamil people and uh, young people, and one dealing with the Sinhalese young people. But they, they became convicted, and they said, you know what? Reconciliation often costs us something. And we need to be willing to pay that cost. And so they said, we're no longer are we going to minister according to ethnic lines. We're going to now minister according to just regions. And it was, it's, it's uh, more costly. It's not as efficient. But what it does is it means that in a group, in a camp, in a meeting, you've got Tamil students and Sinhalese students together. And it's promoting reconciliation. One of the reasons I think we shy away from reconciliation is because often we know that's going to take me time. Uh, I, might, I might have to humble myself. Um, I might have to actually um, recompense that person. It might cost me something. We shy away from that. But God didn't. God said, you know what? Relationships are, are that important that I'm willing to pay the ultimate price. Even lay down my life. Final step in God's reconciliation process is to uh, forgiveness. To ask for forgiveness where you need to ask for forgiveness and to grant it. Without forgiveness. So in Sri Lanka, a number of Christian organizations have gotten together and they've got this, um, this slogan that they're pushing in Sri Lankan, uh, in the island. And it's called, No Future Without Forgiveness. Isn't that awesome? No future without forgiveness. That is so Christian. Uh, because uh, God understands that apart from us asking you know, for forgiveness and, and receiving forgiveness, the, the relationship can't be reconciled. And there's a whole lot that has to be forgiven in Sri Lanka for people to move forward and be reconciled. And so with God... Uh, he has nothing to ask forgiveness for because he didn't do anything wrong. But when we ask forgiveness, when we say, God, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner, please forgive me. The Bible says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just 
and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. One young Tamil Christian lost both his father and his brother in the war, killed by the Sinhalese government. And he says, you know what, I don't know how people can reconcile until they have first received grace from God. I don't know how people can reconcile until they have first come to God and said, I'm a sinner. I am desperate in, in need, desperately in need of your mercy, O God. And then they feel God, they, 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 they uh, receive from God mercy, forgiveness, cleansing. They have experienced the grace of God poured out into their life. And then they can turn around and, and extend that to, to others. And that's why, you know, God absolutely wants his people, he wants the church to be leading the reconciliation charge. He wants us to be modeling it. We've got the tools because we have, ex we have experienced mercy. We can then dispense mercy. We've experienced grace. We can be conduits of grace. Jesus says, he who has been forgiven much loves much. And so when, you're, when we are struggling uh, to forgive, we need to remember uh, what we've been forgiven of. And that will make it a lot easier to extend forgiveness. So I am, ex I am very pleased to note that in Sri Lanka, um, God's people are um, making huge progress, having huge uh, victories in, in reconciliation. They are doing uh, youth camps with both Tamil and Sinhalese students, uh, there are delegations going um, constantly from uh, the Tamils down to Sinhalese churches and, and back. And um, pastors and, and leaders in the church are coming, standing in Tamil congregations and saying, I am repenting on behalf of our people. Please, please forgive us. All kinds of healing. Foot washings are going on. And that's, this is good. It's a great example to us. It honors the Lord. There was one clergyman... Uh, uh, from a Sinhalese clergyman at the very beginning of the war who went public and they actually had he wrote an open letter and he was it w went uh, on the public news and he, he got down on his knees and he said I, I am begging forgiveness on, behar on, be on behalf of our people we've done you wrong Tomals and he encouraged his fellow countrymen to do that of course um, you know and I just think had had they listened to that appeal of his and had they followed his wise instruction. Maybe they could have avoided this whole civil war. Just this week, I was uh, asked to participate in a reconciliation meeting between two brothers, uh, not physical brothers, brothers in Christ, uh, who had some, uh, some tension in their relationship, a broken relationship. One of them, during their devotions, had been convicted of the Lord, you need to go pursue the other. You need to start the reconciliation process. And so I was asked to be involved. Uh, and in the meeting, the, this person who called the meeting said, you know, let me, here's, what I'm a, here's what I'm aware that I've done wrong. But I might have done other things wrong. Please, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to be shown. And they pursued. And because they pursued, good things could happen. Well, we didn't just blow over the issues. We actually put them on the whiteboard. What are the, what are the injustices? What are the perceived what are the hurts? What are the real issues that need to be addressed? And then we circled one, and we just said, all right, today we're going to just deal with one of them. And they were able to deal with it. And there was, hey, uh, forgive me for that. I recognize that, wasn't, uh, uh, that was wrong. 
Will you forgive me? Yes, I forgive you. And then, you know what? I hadn't thought about this before, but today I'm realizing I had something to deal with that, right? Will you forgive me? And it was a wonderful, whoops, it was a wonderful meeting. And I walked away from it just thinking, uh, the kingdom of darkness got a sock in the gut today, <laughs> you know? And the, you could just see their, both of their countenances were lifted. And that wasn't, you know, it wasn't easy. Those guys, it wasn't, uh, they didn't go into it all smiles. There was uh, angst in the air. But they came out of it knowing we just honored the Lord. And God was with us. So let's go ahead and bring it, uh, let's bring it to our lives. Because we all have relationships and periodically, our relationships get broken. So we're going to get introspective here. I'll go ahead and call the worship team back up. So let's just uh, ask the Lord. You know, maybe the Lord has uh, revealed to you a name, a broken relationship, and you're thinking, man, I, I, I know... Spirit is prompting me. I know I need to get, I need to pursue the other person. I need to get, uh, pursue reconciliation. Of course, it takes two. But the Bible says, as much as depends on us, be at peace with all men. Have, have you pursued? What does pursuing the other person look like for you? Get concrete. Before the Lord, I want you to make a, make a commitment, make a decision and say, I'm going to pursue. Put a date by the end of today, by the end of this week. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to call a meeting. I'm going to call them on the telephone. I'm going to write them a letter. I'm going to go face to face. Address the issues. Maybe you know. You know, reconciliation, it doesn't necessarily mean that you were the one who was wrong. Maybe you maybe reconciliation means you need to go and say, I hold this against you and I want you to know it. I want to give you an opportunity to make it right. I want us to be reconciled. And for that, I need you to acknowledge that this was wrong. And I need you to ask forgiveness for it. Could be that you know that you had a part to play and you go and say, you know what? Forgive me for this role I played. And then, then there is the forgiveness. Maybe you, maybe you are, are, have never forgiven. You're holding, you're holding that over that person's head. It gives you a sense of a power. Something, somehow, it pleases you to have uh, anger and unforgiveness in your heart. The Lord, the Lord is very strong about that in his word. Let it go. One of the things, we as Christians, we don't have to uh, give up justice when we forgive. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. No wicked deed will go unpunished. Praise the Lord, though. Uh, our wicked deeds have been punished on the back of our Lord Jesus Christ. And if we want, if we want uh, that for ourselves, we have to allow that for other people.
no matter what they've done for us, to us. So you have a bulletin. Maybe you want to write on the bulletin what decision you've made. Lord, thank you that you pursued us. Thank you that you modeled reconciliation and you went to the greatest links so that our relationship with you might be restored. And Lord, if there is anyone here who has not yet responded to your love in Jesus Christ, I pray that they would respond. Lord, you say that if we will confess our sins and receive Jesus Christ as our Savior, we'll be saved. If that's you today, uh, be reconciled to God. The Bible says that uh, I am an ambassador. Right now, I am functioning as an ambassador sent by God, making an appeal to you. Be reconciled to God through faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. Don't leave that offer of the King on the table. And then go and be an agent of mercy in all of the relationships around you. And Lord, we pray, we begin to pray this week uh, for reconciliation in Sri Lanka and in Anchorage and around the world and in our own relationships. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.